Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing absolutely great, and unlike the Supreme Court of the United States, we will not take away any of your constitutional rights, nor try to control what you do with your body. Yeah, for for uh, for uh, uh, context, uh, we are recording this a couple of days after the Supreme Court uh, made the decision to overturn overturn Roe v. Wade and therefore the constitutional right to abortion. Um, and that was a bad decision. Uh, abortion rights are human rights because they're. I agree. These fucking people should just be able to control what they do with their bodies instead of Thankfully, fucking eighty-year-old Republicans listening to Invisible Men in the Sky. <laughs> Thankfully, you've come to. And I'm speaking humbly here. The greatest podcast ever made. Um, yeah. And we are the oasis in the desert that is the modern media landscape. You are starving for your beautiful, beautiful, tasty, delicious content. And, and we, we are here to provide. We are the oasis to nourish your soul. We are the cactus juice of the soul. <laughs> It'll quench you. <laughs> It'll quench you. And today it's... we're talking about dinosaurs. Yeah, things that you could probably find in a desert if you look hard enough. And you know what else are dinosaurs? Supreme Court justices. Ba-da-ba-ba. Except they're not cool like dinosaurs are. They're no. like the not cool version of dinosaurs. Today we're talking about Jurassic World Falling Kingdom and Jurassic World Dominion. As a conclusion to our Jurassic-thon. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Should we start with that one, considering it came yes, out first? Yes, because that is, that is the one that came out first, so we shall start with Jurassic right. World Fallen Kingdom. This one was not directed by Colin Trevorrow, but rather by J.A. Bayona. It was written by Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly. But it was directed by J.A. Bayona of uh, A Monster Calls. This one stars Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rafe Spall, Toby Jones, Ted Levine, B.D. Wong... And Jeffrey Goldblum. And Justice Smith. Now, yeah. this movie has a poster that's way more colorful and, and high in contrast than any shot in the entire movie. Shortly after the events of Jurassic World in 2015, a small mercenary team arrives on the abandoned Isla Nublar to connect 
DNA samples from the Indominus Rex remains from a lagoon. After they collect a bone sample, the Mosasaurus devours their submersible, their submarine. The Tyrannosaurus attacks their helicopter, but they manage to escape with the sample, also allowing the Mosasaurus to escape into the open ocean. Mosasaurus. Whatever, it's the Shamusaur. Anyways, continue. <laughs> Three years later, the United States Senate, who everyone loves, debates whether the Isla Nublar's dinosaurs should be saved from an impending volcanic eruption. Mathematician, uh, Di Dr. Ian Malcolm, uh, testifies that the dinosaurs should perish naturally to correct the wrongful cloning done by John Hammond who's now dead. Meanwhile, yes. Jurassic World's former operations manager, Claire Deering, has established the Dinosaur Protection Group to save the animals, because there's a volcano that's going to go off soon and kill all of the animals. And they're like, no, we should protect this invasive species. Put a pin in that. <laughs> After the Senate rules against rescuing the animals, Ham is his former partner, Sir Benjamin Lockwood, who was in None of the previous movies, if I remember correctly. Was mm. he in any of the previous movies? No. Yeah, this is a retcon. <laughs> Sir Benjamin Lockwood summons Claire to his Northern California estate. Lockwood and his aide, Eli Mills, reveal a Eli. plan to relocate the dinosaurs to a new island sanctuary. I can't pronounce names. Claire is needed to reactivate the park's tracking system to locate the animals, particularly... Everyone's favorite raptor, Blue, the last surviving yeah. Velociraptor. Claire recruits Owen Grady, former Velociraptor trainer, to help capture her, a.k.a. Chris Pratt from the first movie. Yes. On Isla Nublar, Claire from the first movie and former park technician Franklin Webb, who is in this movie, reactivates the yes, online tracking system. Owen, paleo-veterinarian Zia Rodriguez, and mercenary team led by Ken Wheatley track and find Blue. The encounter escalates, resulting in Blue being shot and Wheatley tranquilizing Owen. Ken Wheatley also has this strange habit where he keeps taking teeth out of dinosaurs to turn into a necklace. Wheatley then abandons Owen, Claire, and Franklin on the island while forcibly taking Zia hostage to treat Blue. The ship loads with captured dinosaurs, departs as the remaining dinosaurs are left behind to die in the eruption. Claire, Franklin, and Owen sneak aboard the ship to help Zia transfuse Blue with Tyrannosaurus blood to save her life. Yeah. But the plot thickens, like a meaty stew left out in the sun. Rather than being relocated to a new island, the captured dinosaurs are transported to the Lockwood estate, where Lockwood's orphaned granddaughter Maisie overhears Mills and auctioneer Mr. Eversall secretly planning to sell the dinosaurs on the black market. They will also yes. preview the Indoraptor, a weaponized transgenic dinosaur created by geneticist Dr. Henry Wu from all of the movies, using Indominus yes. Rex and Velociraptor DNA. Wu needs Blue's DNA to create an enhanced Indoraptor that is obedient to commands, unaware that Blue's blood is no longer pure because of the blood transfusion. After Maisie informs Lockwood about the auction, he confronts Mills, who murders him. Maisie is later revealed to have been cloned from Lockwood's deceased daughter, and the reason why John Hammond ended their association. Put a giant pin in that! <laughs> a giant-ass pin! The auction dinosaurs are being immediately shipped out, Franklin evades capture and frees Zia, but Owen and Claire have been apprehended. Owen incites a stigamolock into breaking open their cell. The two encounter Maisie, and they learn that Indoraptor is being sold despite Wu's protest, and that it is a prototype. 
Owen yeah. disrupts the auction by luring the Stigmalock into the room. In the ensuing chaos, Wheatley tranquilizes the Indoraptor to extract a tooth as a trophy, but the Hydrid, having merely feigned unconsciousness, kills Wheatley, Eversol, and the others as it escapes. It chases Owen, Claire, and Maisie throughout the mansion until Blue, released by Zia, confronts the Indoraptor. Atop a high glass roof, both animals crash through it, killing the Indoraptor and leaving Blue unharmed. When a hydrogen cyanide gas leak threatens the caged dinosaurs, <laughs> put a pin in that, Maisie frees them, ignoring Owen's objections. As Mills attempts to leave with the Indominus Rex bone, the Tyrannosaurus devours him and tramples the bone. About Maisie opening it, Claire was originally thinking of opening it, and then she's like, no, I can't. And then Maisie's like, I'm going to hit this button. They're alive. Like me. <laughs> Owen, Claire, Maisie, Zia, and Franklin escape, while Blue and the other released dinosaurs flee the estate grounds. In a new United States Senate hearing, Dr. Malcolm declares the beginning of a neo-Jurassic age, where humans and dinosaurs must coexist. The closing scenes depict the free dinosaurs roaming the wilderness and outer urban areas in The New, the Jurassic, new Jurassic World. World. This movie is fucking hot garbage. <laughs> like, I it's so bizarre and bad and boring. Um, so first off, let's let's get to the the elephant in the room. Maisie is a clone. This goes nowhere in this movie. Like, it basically doesn't matter at all to the plot of the film, which makes it even stranger they included a clone subplot, as if we're supposed to care about this new character Lockwood and why he fell out with John Hammond. No, nobody gives a shit. Dr. Ian Malcolm opens and bookends the movie, but it clearly looks like they got him for like a day and he didn't give a shit. So they just hastily wrote things for him to say that didn't make any sense. <laughs> like he's giving a Senate hearing, but the things he's saying are so vague and general that they basically don't amount to anything. Um, the movie is also very boring. So the, like the middle section of the movie it's just a lot of them, like, going about in cages and talking about stupid plot details that don't matter. Uh, again, the character Chris Pratt plays, Owen, is such a stagnant character. He has no arc in any of these three movies. He never changes. He is the most boring protagonist you could ever come up with. Honestly, I can't think of a more boring protagonist you could put in charge of uh, a Jurassic World film. Claire in this film is completely nonsensical. So she is obviously feeling guilty about the fact that she ran basically a dinosaur exploitation exhibit in the past, which, yeah, you should feel bad. God damn it. And you also indirectly allowed situations where people would die, even though you tried not to. But her reaction to all of this is not to say... Let's stop, like, fucking with nature. Let's stop creating dinosaurs. Let's make them die So with this ecological disaster, which is actually very convenient to kill all of the dinosaurs <laughs> and would actually be, ecologically speaking, the best thing to do because these are technically invasive species that must be destroying their habitats, okay? They're on an island. They're not harming anybody. They're on... Islands have habitats, especially ones with, like, trees and shit. There's yeah, animals but that's just, there. that's just plants. Have they, have, you, have, they, have they ever shown other animals besides dinosaurs on that island? Well, right. That's another reason why this the movie is dumb. It starts with this little opening thing where it tries to be like, what should we do about the dinosaurs? And then never actually looks at that in any sort of way that's analytical at all. 
it just pays lip service to like Ian Malcolm disagreeing at the beginning and end. It's like, okay, who cares? But there's never anyone that seriously challenges Claire and says, hey, Claire, maybe you should let them die. Which at the end of the film, when she does decide to let them die, feels extremely unmotivated because nobody convinced her of that. She never had a point where she realized she was wrong. Brian, they're sentient beings that have their own like thoughts and feelings. They deserve life. I mean, I'm sure, so are the... Remember those invasive moths that we all had to fucking kill because they were eating trees? I'm sure they had feelings also, but we yeah, had to the, kill but, them. Yeah, but the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs are just on an island. They're not harming any of the, the, you know, the rest of the world. Yeah, except for the dinosaurs in the ocean, you know, in the ocean eating fish. You see, this is my problem, is the whole idea that they want to save the dinosaurs is such a nonsensical and on its face obvious bad decision that it makes Claire completely unlikable because she's either an idiot or just completely misinformed. Well, maybe if you hate dinosaurs like an asshole. No, you see, that's the thing. The only reason why you would root for Claire is if you're understanding the film on a meta level, which is to say you like dinosaurs, you want to see the dinosaurs live, but that doesn't make any sense in the eternal logic of the movie. I don't care! But it's important that the internal logic of the movie be consistent because it's a movie where you're supposed to care about the characters. Yes, it is, because this movie has has spent a lot of time with boring-ass characters. The entire second half of this film is a gigantic slog. It's it's Mm. impenetrably annoying. Um, So then we get to Ken Wheatley. So Ken Wheatley is obsessed with collecting dinosaur teeth and at first i was like oh this makes sense because inside teeth is tooth pulp and in the tooth pulp is dna he's gonna try and clone dinosaurs no he just wants to make a fucking dinosaur tooth necklace why i don't know it doesn't matter i don't get yeah yeah exactly it doesn't matter i don't give a shit but also what in the fuck is with this stupid ass (laughs) clone subplot that adds nothing to the film. Why is it there? Uh, okay, to be fair, it's 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 there because it sets up important stuff for the next one. That's yeah, important stuff, which I'm going to get to, <laughs> which makes less sense in the second film. But I'm saying, in the context and internal logic of this film as a singular story, what does her being here add to anything? Well, we need a kid. Okay, you need a kid. Why don't you make one of those stupid little interns like a kid? I don't know. The interns are basically useless as it is. Yeah, but that would violate several child labor laws. I mean, yeah, Franklin yeah. Franklin needs to get his shit together. That's fair. And to be fair, he does get his shit together in the next one. Um. I completely forgot that was the same Franklin because he is that not important to the story in any way. You remember how, like, the side characters in the first film were, like, super memorable? And you would you can quote, like, a bunch of their dialogue because it's a great movie that you remember because it's written well? No, here they're just people that go along with you, like stupid companions in an RPG people forgot to write dialogue for. It's terrible. So those get to the Indoraptor, a.k.a. we've run out of dinosaurs. Okay, I will say, I don't get why they they looked at, all right, we may, we will take a T-Rex half-raptor hybrid and we'll use that DNA to make... A slightly bigger raptor. <laughs> that yeah. feels like, it feels like a downgrade. <laughs> 
Also, the whole plan to take a bunch of dinosaurs currently living on an island, and only like a couple, because the rest are going to die in the explosion, then put them on a different island, clone them, and then have them reproduce somehow, is extremely expensive. And also, like, they just put out the plot idea in the beginning. It's like, how are you going to fucking move all of these dinosaurs? And they don't even treat it as, like, it's a big deal. It's like, oh, we can move dinosaurs. Who cares? It's like, don't you see the obvious pitfalls in this They have big cargo boats. Like, cargo the dinosaurs boats. on the boats, and then... then, the, then there's not even that many cargo boats! Well, they can like, just get some more! <laughs> see, the thing is, if you were going to clone these dinosaurs, it would be super expensive, because you would have to genetically... Well, the idea is they're not going to make more. So they're then, just going to put the dinosaurs that are already alive. The, here's the thing, is if you take dinosaurs that are genetically identical and have them mate together, eventually the population will die out because they will become infertile. So this plan doesn't work unless you have active genetic manipulation. The, okay, then they'll die of natural causes and they'll have lived a, you know, they'll have lived a good life and they'll have, you know, been able to, you know, they won't just have their life taken away by a fucking volcano. <laughs> But what's the difference between that and letting them die by volcano? Because the volcano, you know, they don't get to, ex you know, have the full experience of life. If they Bitch, just die by nature. a volcano suddenly. Nature goes hard. <laughs> <laughs> These people are like trying to be like, oh, we got to protect the dinosaurs. But of course, the guy doesn't actually want to protect the dinosaurs. He wants to like auction them off with his like weird dwarf friend. I, I don't really get why... <laughs> that was a part of the story i mean i guess i get it but like do you not see the obvious problems with auctioning off dinosaurs or are you just a moron these movies keep getting dumber exactly that's why they, that's why i enjoy them <laughs> no no it's not dumber in a fun way it's not dumber in the godzilla sequels way where it gets more and more ridiculous it's dumber in the all of the characters get stupider way okay but like and it's incredibly okay, but frustrating Brian, to watch billionaires are assholes so I, like, I accept this premise, yes. Billionaires are assholes, so therefore, billionaires will want to buy dinosaurs. Mm. No, I, be I believe that. I believe that. I'm just saying. Also, shouldn't the government be more involved with this? I know it's a private island, well, but come the government, on, there's been no, no, so no, no, many disasters. The at the beginning of the movie said yeah. they were not going to intervene on Isla Nublar. So therefore, they're just it's out of their hands. They're not going to be involved. So they're just going to let them take these invasive species and do whatever they want with them? Yes, as far as they... Well, also, as far as they know, all of the dinosaurs died on the island. Does the federal government even know what they, about this shit? They probably have it all, like, on, you know, on the down low. I'm just saying, whoever controls the dinosaurs, given the track record of the last four movies, should immediately, a priori, be suspicious. Okay? Like, you shouldn't trust anyone trying to control these dinosaurs. If this were realistic... The government should have, like, bought out the company or done, like, nine million Brian, Senate if investigations this, if Brian, into them. if these movies were realistic, all the dinosaurs would have feathers. These movies were never realistic. Then why are they so boring? <laughs> if you want to have a movie where the dinosaurs go around and eat people and it's fun and goofy, make that movie. Don't make a halfway movie where you're trying to be semi-serious and also trying to do a bunch of stupid dumb stuff that can only be accepted in a really stupid B-movie. You can't have it both ways, okay? I mean, it is a B-movie. It's what it is. Like, I mean, I guess. It, it, it's trying to be like a corporate franchise film at the same time, which is the problem. It can't do anything too out there, too interesting, can't do anything too fun, because that would be too silly to live up to the legacy of the first film that never should have had sequels. I'm sorry, I'm sick of these Jurassic World films. 
if you can't tell. And this one is better than the next one. <laughs> I was genuinely surprised that you hated Dominion more than Fallen Kingdom. So I um, give this a 3 out of 10. I think it's garbage. Chris, what do you think? Sorry, sorry for the rant. I apologize for the rant. I'm just... <laughs> These movies really annoy me. So I think this movie... So there's a lot of people, like Brian, who really hate this movie. And I think it's fine. Like, I gave it, like, a 7. It's fine. It's dumb fun. It's, like... Is it is it perfect? Fuck no. Like, there's a lot of stupid shit in it. And you're right. It should go more ham. Like, as I, was, as I alluded to earlier, their big fancy new dinosaur is just... A slightly bigger raptor, which is kind of... I never of a... get the sense from any of these world films that the people making it genuinely like dinosaurs, and I think that's kind of a problem. I disagree. <laughs> well, I mean, they spend so much time with the boring characters, and then the dinosaurs are only ever, like, MacGuffins that are being, like, taken by villains and stuff like that. Which, by the way, wh- since when does Jurassic Park need villains to Have begin with? Have you considered with? the beloved character Flew the Raptor? <laughs> I don't like Blue the Raptor hot take. Everyone loves Blue the Raptor. I don't. Don't you want your Blue the Raptor action figure? (laughs) No. Anyways, if I could actually, you know, say my opinions, is that I think this movie is fine. It's dumb fun. You know, the actors are are, you know, definitely making an attempt. At least some of them. I like, there's some good dinosaur action. I think the whole set piece of the island, you know, blowing up is fun and frankly i think dinosaurs deserve rights because i love animals and i care about animals and i if you think... care about animals you would care about the animals that would have their ecosystems destroyed by an invasive well, that's why like well, that's why I th- well that's why i think we shouldn't build the sanctuary on the mainland that's the problem is that they built the sanctuary on the mainland we should have we could have are just... you suggesting they send dinosaurs to the moon Okay, okay, exactly. We'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll, okay, we'll send, we'll, we'll send some people to space. We'll take all yes. of Elon Musk's money and we'll spend it on sending some construction workers to space. We build if you want to go ham, go big. Yeah, exactly. Go big, go to the uh, moon. I mean, I agree with you. We could build it. They build a dinosaur sanctuary on the moon. We yes. load all the dinosaurs into rocket ships on, you know, put them on autopilot. We send them to the moon and they could just live on the moon. I what mean, did you think of Dr. Ian Malcolm being in this movie? I will say... I do find it kind of disingenuous that they put Jeff Goldblum in all of the trailers and, like, they made Life Finds a Way the tagline and that he's only at the very beginning, at the very end of the movie. <laughs> it's almost like the movie didn't give a shit. I mean, I do I do like the scenes that he's in. I, I like seeing mm. him. And I like how, at the end, he's like, Welcome to Jurassic World. Like, what I what did you think of uh, Eli Mills? The bad guy? Uh, he was definitely... He was a bad guy. Like, here's the thing. I don't come to these movies. This is, I said this about Jurassic World, the first one, in that I feel like the reason I like the Jurassic World movies, and I like them a lot more than the other Jurassic Park sequels, is that the Jurassic, the original Jurassic Park sequels, I feel tried and failed to recapture what made the original Jurassic Park so good. And I feel like with Jurassic World, the filmmakers went, you know what? Fuck it. We're just not even going to try to do that. And we're just going to lean into dumb fun. Except for like the one or two guys who are like, we have to make it incredible. We have to give this an air of credibility, which I will admit is a problem. I will admit. I, I kind of have a problem with that line of thinking because that line of thinking kind of implies that characters in monster movies don't matter. Well, they don't. And I disagree with that. 
They don't. Are you saying that if, if Jurassic Park came out today and all of the characters were completely boring, that movie would be just as good as the first Jurassic Park film? Well, no, 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 no. Okay, you're, okay. you're misconstruing what I'm trying to say. Well, characters do matter, though. If, if, you, think, if you think that that would be uh, worse, then characters do matter. Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park, isn't really a monster movie in the traditional sense. It's more of a horror film where the horror, you know, where the killer happens to be some giant dinosaurs. I, fair, I fail to see the distinction between a monster movie and a horror film where the monster is a monster. Well, the, well, like, the Godzilla films, most of them could not really be defined as traditional horror films. Maybe the first one, but, like... Uh, some of the others also, yeah. Well, like, I, I mean, like, the, okay, usually the first in a cycle of Godzilla films could be classified as a horror film. So, like, Godzilla 54, and... Yeah. But what about it being a horror film means that it needs good characters as opposed to it being a monster film? Well, because a horror film is built on the human element of fear. Whereas a monster movie is built more on spectacle and, you know, the joy of destruction. Okay, I see your point, but would you not agree in the abstract that the concept... I'm sorry, I'm sounding like Ben Shapiro. Uh, would you <laughs> not agree that a monster movie with good characters is better than a monster movie with bad characters? I don't technically disagree with you, but I also feel like the most important... I feel like we, we've had this conversation like 15 fucking thousand times. But for me, the most important part of a monster movie, th like, like having good characters is nice. And I feel like I would, like, in an ideal scenario, I would, I would like to have good characters. But ultimately, what is most important is the monsters. It's what I come to the movie for. I, I, have, I have a hot take. The dinosaurs in this movie are really boring. Fundamentally disagree. I'm sorry, but w w what about besides them being dinosaurs? makes them interesting in this. Well, like, do they do anything interesting or new with the concept of dinosaurs? Actu actually, um, I will say, there is the one scene where the guy, uh, after the auction, where the guy goes into the raptor cage, and he's like, I'm gonna get you, raptor. And he thinks the raptor's asleep, and then the raptor mugs to the camera, like, I'm totally not asleep, I'm totally gonna kill this, and kill and eat this guy, you guys, it's totally gonna be totally awesome, and then he's like, oh, I gotta fake being asleep again, and then, and then the raptor's like, alright, and then the guy's like, alright, I'm gonna get you, raptor. clever girl, but with a different twist on it? Well, the clever girl didn't have the raptor mugging to the camera. <laughs> okay, I don't, I fail to see how that's an added benefit, but, okay. Because it's continue. funny! <laughs> okay, but besides that one thing, which is already of questionable quality, <laughs> what other stuff do they do with dinosaurs that's interesting? Look. <laughs> I'm sick of having my dinosaur taste questioned. Um, okay. This is kangaroo court. And now I'm Gotcha. Going... <laughs> I, I get it. Okay, I'm, it's fair. I get it. Dinosaurs instill a sort of childlike joy of which it cannot be quenched and thus is always there regardless. Yes. Okay, fair. Please continue with All your right. analysis of the movie. You know, I enjoyed the destruction of the island. I think that's a really good set piece. And 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 before everyone gets to me, well, shouldn't have Owen have died from the heat exposure from the volcano? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who oh, yeah, cares? That, that was the only good scene in the movie, by the way. <laughs> was when Owen, when Owen was uh, almost getting burned by the volcano. I thought that had some good tension. I enjoyed yeah, that Yeah, I, 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 I like that scene as well. Um, and I like none I like, of the other scenes. I like when they escape in the gyrosphere and the motherfucker T-Rex comes out. Always good to see the motherfucker T-Rex. All right. Yeah, I will I will say the Indoraptor, while an interesting version of a raptor, is also like, it's just a 
kind of a big raptor. And I feel like, I will say, the issue with this is that it's a bit too dumb to have an air of credibility, but it's not silly enough to really go full ham and also be, like, really effective military satire. Because that's what mm. it's going for. It's trying to lean into the, to the absurdity, you know, U.S. military spending and the U.S. government. But if you really wanted to do that, you wouldn't just make, all right, let's have a slightly bigger raptor that we can command for, like, black ops missions. You'd be Dinosaur like, we're, starship troopers. Yeah, we're <laughs> it would be like, we're going to make giant flying T-Rexes. We're going to make an army of flying T-Rexes that have triceratops horns and spikes on the back. And we're going to airdrop them into the Middle East. That'll show the terrorists. <laughs> it's just really strange that they include, like, this whole, like, weaponized raptor thing, which was introduced in the first film offhandedly that went nowhere. None of these three films connect at all. Well, I mean, the, uh, I mean, the third film has connections to World 1 and also the previous three. Like the That's three fair, Jurassic but the way they Park try and stitch movies. together is very interesting. So what did you think of Zia and Franklin, um, the most interesting characters? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think the ideas of Zia's characters, of a paleo veterinarian, you know, that's something we've never seen in these movies before. So I think the idea is sound, and I like her. One of my least favorite parts is when Zia literally, like, turns to the camera and is like, I'm a strong, strong independent, independent woman. woman. You don't, you don't need, need to tell, tell me what to do. And I'm like, wow, a man wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is retroactive. But, you know, when I saw Franklin, I was like, oh, hey, it's the kid from Detective Pikachu. I remember that movie. He spends most of the movie screaming. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like he needs to get his shit together. I feel like these movies never figured out what to do with Henry Wu, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, he's like a villain, and then he's a good guy, and then he's a villain again, and he has no consistent characterization. Yeah, I thought the dinosaur auction scene was fun. I will say that, as, as criticism... I don't get how you made gun that shoots dinosaurs boring because there's this because the thing with the Indoraptor is that it's programmed so that there's a gun and then you so you shoot and then you aim the gun at a person and it puts a laser point on the person and that makes the dinosaur go after the person where it's like if you're going to make a gun that shoots dinosaurs it should be all right we made this comically large gun and then you load the Velociraptor into the gun, and then you aim the gun at the person you want the Velociraptor to be at, and then the Velociraptor flies through the air and lands on the person, and then the person gets eaten. <laughs> I think I've d discovered another problem with the Jurassic World films, and that's that, really, I don't think film producers know what to do with Jurassic Park tonally, because the first Jurassic Park was in a very 80s sort of way, a synthesis of horror and family film. And nowadays, corporate thinking is those things don't go together. So it's trying to have the action of the original without the gore and violence, and it's trying to have the family stuff, but it can't reach that level of whimsy, so it just gets turned into a dull gray mush. I feel, well, or horror, fa you can't really do horror family without a fantasy element, because, like, you see horror family with stuff like Gravity Falls or, like, The Owl House, but, yeah, Gremlins. I think something... I think that uh, producers are like, we need to make it like Jurassic Park, but none of them know what that means, <laughs> you know? Like, they're, they, they don't have a consistent idea of what they're doing. Okay, uh, speaking, speaking of horror, actually, I actually really mm -hmm. like the moment where, like, they're just... 
you know, they're in the mansion and there's sort of like a haunted house with dinosaurs vibe going on. And there's like, yeah, the I remember the uh, saying that exact thing in a review a while ago. And I thought that would have been like the whole premise of the movie. So I was actually kind of excited for this movie to go like weird horror and then it's just like 10 minutes of the film or 20 minutes i mean that's a pretty good 10 minutes <laughs> uh all right let's see i like the dinosaur prison break and i i think it uh, definitely provides a good setup for the next movie why did Maisie free the dinosaurs because they're alive like her she said so that's the dumbest motivation ever all right let's say let's say that there's like a monster and the monster's killed like i don't know let's say 90 people and then it's gonna get killed. And then I'm like, wait, but I'm alive, therefore the dinosaurs should be alive. How does one <laughs> follow the other? I understand it's because she's a clone, and she feels like a certain level of relationship to other cloned beings. But, yeah. like, kid, you are making a world-altering decision. This isn't about you. She's ten. Okay, and then nobody scolds her for it. Like, hey... You just altered the entire course of human history. Okay, like it's a, like what 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 would be accomplished by scolding her for the decision? Oh yeah, sure. The next time that there's a life-altering point where I can release dinosaurs by pushing, I don't the know. Button, maybe I you just look at it. the button and say, "Hey, don't hit the button." <laughs> well, it's a little late for that. They got so distracted by one person not hitting the button. That somebody else hit the button. Do these people have no sense of object permanence at all? She was right next to the button. She's a child. She's fast. What do you? What would you rate this movie overall? I'd say it's a seven out of ten. It's dumb fun. It's like it's it's not as good as World One, and nowhere near as good as the original Jurassic Park. But you know. It's still better than... I don't get why people think this or Dominion is, like, the worst one when Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 still exist and are much worse than either of these movies. I think Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is perfectly enjoyable, dumb fun. 7 out of 10. Jurassic World Dominion! <laughs> I'm gonna do a plot summation, and I'm not gonna give any of my opinions until after the plot summation. <laughs> and I would like... Uh, I, I apologize for be getting so heated. You know, these movies really annoy me. I'm sorry. Jurassic World Dominion. Four years after the cataclysmic volcanic eruptions on Isla Nublar and the Lockwood Estate incident, uh, A, that is a something from something else, uh, de-extinct dinosaurs freely roam the Earth, causing ecological disasters and animal attacks as invasive species. Put a pin in that. With government approval, Biosyn Genetics has established a dinosaur sanctuary in Illy's Dolomite Mountains. Dolomite. Okay. Where they conduct genomics research, ostensibly seeking groundbreaking pharmacological and agronomic applications. Claire Deering, Zia Rodriguez, and Franklin Webb from the second film are still with the Dinosaur Protection Group and have turned into a secret terrorist organization trying to free all the dinosaurs. They're not really terrorists. They're like animal rights activists that do illegal things. You know, At most, the they're way. like eco-terrorists. They're like the Animal Liberation Front. Yeah. Yeah. While Claire's partner, Owen Grady, works as a wrangler, he is a cowboy wrangling dinosaurs, helping to relocate stray dinosaurs. At the remote cabin in the Sierra Nevada mountains, Claire and Owen secretly raise 14-year-old Maisie Lockwood, Benjamin Lockwood's cloned granddaughter, while protecting her from genetic research corporations like Biosyn, from things that are not really explained. But later we find out it's because they would want to study her DNA for various nefarious schemes. 
but the characters at this point do not know this, but they're still well, hiding. I mean, it's it. a fairly easy thing to infer that they would want to put a pin in it. it. We're putting a pin in it. When Owen trains the Velociraptor Blue, unexpectedly arrives with an asexually reproduced hatchling. Maisie names it. Bayon. Put a pin in that. <laughs> Having grown increasingly frustrated living in seclusion, Maisie sneaks away from Claire and Owen, unaware that Biosyn operatives have located her. They abduct her and capture Beta. Elsewhere, formerly extinct giant locusts have inexplicably reappeared in massive swarms, wiping out crops. Paleobotanist Dr. Ellie Sattler from the first film observes that the corporate-grown crops using biosyn seeds are left uneaten, raising suspicions they created the locusts. Monsanto, put a pin in that. <laughs> Believing the locusts may date to the Cretaceous period, Ellie approaches former partner and paleontologist Dr. Alan Grant for help. And when we introduce Dr. Alan Grant, it is very much like the introduction of Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Franklin now, with the CIA's dinosaur unit, tells Claire and Owen that Maisie and Beta were likely taken to Malta. Beta, of course, being the most important one out of the pair. They arrive and infiltrate a dinosaur black market. When authorities launch a raid, predator dinosaurs are unleashed, causing havoc. Okay, okay, Brian, I feel like, I, Brian, I feel like you are glossing over the fact that there are not just standard predator, predator dinosaurs, but a new genetically engineered raptor called the Atrociraptor. And I don't care what anyone else has to say about anything else in this movie, the name Atrociraptor is metal as hell! Like I think I was so <laughs> bored in the theaters I missed that part, sorry. Barry Sembene, Owen's former Jurassic World colleague who's working undercover in Malta because a bunch of the people from Jurassic World were were recruited into the CIA Dangerous Animals Unit, or whatever they called it, informs Claire and Owen that Maisie and Beta are being transported to Biosyn's secluded Italian headquarters in the Dolomites. Kayla Watts, a sympathetic cargo pilot and bisexual or lesbian, flies Claire and Owen there. Chaos theorist Dr. Ian Malcolm, now working for a cushy job at Biosyn, has sought Ellie's help to expose CEO Dr. Lewis Dodson, who is definitely not a poorly made facsimile of definitely, definitely not a Steve Jobs parody. Well, no, it's not a Steve Jobs parody. It's a parody of Tim Cook. After being totally tipped off different. by communications director Ramsey Cole, it is revealed that the company geneticist Dr. Henry Wu genetically engineered the locust to avoid biosyn crops as a way to control the world's food supply. Wu now denounces this plan, citing it would cause global famine as the locust spread unchecked. Wu meets Maisie and explains that Charlotte Lockwood, Benjamin Lockwood's deceased daughter and Wu's former colleague, used her own DNA to asexually conceive and give birth to the genetically identical Maisie. She altered yeah. Maisie's DNA to prevent her inheriting a fatal disease she had. Put a gigantic pin in that. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> Wu believes that Maisie and Beta's asexual conception and DNA are key to creating a pathogen that will halt the locust outbreak. Upon reaching Biosyn airspace, a Quetzalcoatlus attacks Kayla's plane, causing Owen and Kayla to crash land while Claire ejects. And uh, following separate encounters with Therizonosaurus and Pyraptor, the three regroup inside Biosyn. Ellie and Alan access a restricted lab and steal a locust sample. They encounter Maisie, who leaves with them. Discovering the breach, Dodson incinerates the locust in the lab to destroy evidence, but some escape and spark a forest fire, forcing a site-wide evacuation. Dodson is apparently extremely, yeah. extremely... Extremely surprised that sending fiery locusts out 
into the forest would cause a forest fire. Alan, Ellie, and Maisie barely escaped the facility before finding Ian and then joining Owen, Claire, and Kayla. Meanwhile, Dodson flees with dinosaur embryos via Hyperloop. He becomes trapped in the tunnel. By the and way, the shaving cream can finally came back. Yes, the <laughs> shaving cream can comes back from the first film. Uh, killed by three Dilophosaurus. Electronic implants summon the dinosaurs to protect them from the fire because they have implanted electronic chips that control all the dinosaurs' brains. While Owen finds and tranquilizes Beta, a Giganotosaurus threatens the group but is fatally attacked after a Tyrannosaurus Rex and Therizinosaurus. Uh, the group escape in a Biosyn helicopter, taking Wu with them. Ellie and Alan rekindle their relationship before testifying alongside Ian and Ramsey against Biosyn. Owen, Claire, and Maisie return home and reunite Beta with Blue. Wu discovers and releases a pathogen to eradicate the locusts. Around the world, dinosaurs adapt to coexist with modern animals while the United Nations declares Biosyn Valley a dinosaur sanctuary. Okay. <laughs> First off, I like to set the scene. I was in the theater, tapping my foot. It was I was so bored, so constantly bored, so horribly bored. I kept looking over to see everybody else's expressions, and at one point, I kid you not, two kids during the middle of the film were, like, falling asleep in the middle of this movie. There was two chuckles the entire film in the theater. Two! That's at least, like, ten jokes that felt completely flat. Where were the two chuckles? <laughs> the two chuckles were basically only things Ian Malcolm said. So I'd like to talk about the obvious big thing, which is the horrible retcon in this movie, where they take the clone daughter that was in Jurassic Fallen Kingdom for no reason, and then have her be the self-copulated clone daughter of a dead woman whose DNA was accidentally spliced with lizard DNA, and I don't remember if they explained why. I think probably because the cloning technology developed for the dinosaurs, because it was, you know, making Jurassic Park, so there was just lizard DNA, like, just kind of there. It was the this is an incredibly had. creepy and weird idea to put into a family film, first off. It's unsettling and bizarre, and the film doesn't treat it that way. Besides that, her powers basically mean absolutely nothing. Sure, at the end, her DNA becomes important because the plot says so, but all Maisie does throughout the entire film is get kidnapped, have special DNA. She doesn't make any important decisions of her own. She could be a vial of DNA for all, for all we care, and all that would change is that Chris Pratt's character and Claire's character would be a little less passionately trying to find her, okay? Or the vial in this instance. She is a prop character in the worst way. Uh, and by the way, Maisie being stuck in a fucking wood shack is literally just ripping off a season of Stranger Things. And I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common trope. Like, <laughs> Also, there's no actual reason that's explained in the plot for them to be hiding them, except for a vague, they will find them, meaning either the government or other people. But the problem is, is there's nothing in the plot so far that has already established the idea that the government or these corporations would kidnap her for any reason. Because one, we don't know about the special DNA yet. We just know that she's a clone of this other guy that was rich. So the when they start saying people will find her, it almost sounds like they're protecting her from paparazzi in the beginning, which isn't a good reason to raise anyone in captivity away from other people. Like, what the fuck? Because uh, this character had a free and normal life before they realized they were a clone. Yeah. So, by what right do these two people decide to become surrogate parents and then 
isolate her from all of society. It seems incredibly cruel and bizarre. Because everyone knows she's a clone. There are people who are going to be after her because they want to know. But, but does everyone know that she's a clone? I don't remember that information getting out at the end of the last film. They said it in the news thing at the beginning. So now all the... She only told her clone status to a bunch of people that are all in the main cast. So who would have told the, the, the news media? Okay, well, 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 the dinosaurs breaking out was obviously a big incident, right? So yes. that means there was probably like... Maybe one of the staffers at the mansion blabbed uh to the See, this first off we're on shaky ground because the movie starts with this incredibly bizarrely hilariously bad like recap of the last movie and where everything is where it's like so and so is like the creator of jurassic parks a secret co-founder who had a granddaughter who was secretly a clone has gone missing it's like what the fuck have they done to this world this has gone so far off the fucking rails. It reminds me of in Rocket Ship Roulette when I try and recap what's happened and it sounds absolutely nonsensical and bizarre. Unintentionally hilarious. The first 30 minutes of the movie, I'm stifling hysterical laughter, okay? At all of the wrong moments. Side note. Two, two side notes about the news report. One is that the narrator who does the news report sounds oddly like Brenda's song. But I had to look up and confirm it was not Brenda's song. Because I heard her voice and was like, this this sounds familiar. And I was like, Anne? Uh, by the way, this isn't this isn't me being mean to Maisie, uh, Maisie's actress. I think she's doing a fine job. I would not be rude or criticize a child actor like that. I'm saying her character is bad. Just, you know. You two fans out there, don't go harassing her is what I'm saying. Um okay. But and the, the, other, other... the other side note I have about the news report is at one point yeah. they show a poll of like, what does the what does the public think we should do about the dinosaurs? And the options are like, um, you know, let them die, uh, you know, put yes. them, you know, build a sanctuary. And then there's one last option that's just rebuild Jurassic Park again. And that has somehow has a higher than zero percent. It's like 15 percent. It's the lowest <laughs> number of votes. But still, how does anyone in their right mind think that after all of this, we should just rebuild the park again? <laughs> you see, that's part of the moon logic of the series because it's gone so far it can't stop now so it has to go straight into the depths of insanity uh let's talk about Maisie just a little bit more Maisie's special lizard powers oh my god her special lizard powers aren't important outside of her dna except for one scene where she confronts blue's child beta and then beta's like hmm you're a lizard clone. I shouldn't eat you. And that lasts like five seconds. Okay, I, okay. This is actually something I want to talk about with Beta. Is that, so they say, Blue had her without a mate. How is that possible? How do they know that? How do they know that Blue reproduced asexually? Because she could have had a fling at the very <laughs> least. She's living her life. You want to know, you want to know like the out of universe reason? It's because they needed to introduced the idea of asexual reproduction so when they did it with an actual human person it wouldn't seem as creepy and weird and it still seemed really creepy and weird i mean i didn't, that's the real reason why they put it in the movie i mean that wasn't i mean that wasn't my thought of the asexual reproduction of with the what human. was your thought my thought was hmm so you're telling me they explicitly rewrite the genome to avoid diseases and this is framed as she did a good thing interesting yes. Um, I don't think that is, I don't think that thing is what the filmmakers 
we're going for. Oh, let's get into the horrible, mangled okay. political metaphor of the movie. Shall we, Chris? <laughs> so to understand Jurassic World Dominion, you really need to understand a little agro agro business company called Monsanto. Monsanto. Now, if you have a weird aunt that's really into Greenpeace, you should know that Monsanto is a slightly sketchy seed company that's uh, basically been accused of a lot of weird conspiracy theory stuff by people that don't like genetically engineered crops, which genetically engineered crops are generally a good thing. Yeah. But they, they, they tend to have problems with, uh, you know, monopolizing seeds and stuff like that. Like, actual real concerns. I'm, I'm sorry. Side note about, like, People freak out about, like, genetically modified food and genetically- and GMOs and food. An orange carrot is a genetically modified food. Calm the fuck down, people. Anyways, uh, continue. Genetically Uh, modified foods just mean that they have larger crop yields. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're unhealthy. That's why we have food regulation and safety concerns. But a a whole group of organic food people either don't know this or think that eating organic is better because it's more quote-unquote natural and thus whole foods and trader joe's have been able to create an entire cottage industry around solving a problem that doesn't really exist Um. and it feels like that trader joe's whole foods customer wrote this movie because (laughs) this movie doesn't seem to understand the problems it's talking about in any way at all. Um, first off, the biggest reason, the biggest symbol of all of this is the leader of Monsanto isn't, like, a satire of whoever runs Monsanto, because no one knows. Like, he's not, like, a celebrity billionaire no guy. No one knows or just... cares about the guy who runs Monsanto, which is exactly. why the Monsanto metaphor is buried in an Apple metaphor. Which doesn't make any sense, because big tech and big farming are... Like, they have overlap a little bit, but, like, not at all, really. Okay, if you want to get technical, Amazon does own Whole Foods, so maybe if this were Jeff Bezos, it would make more sense, but, but it's, it's not, not Jeff Bezos. It's, it's Tim Cook. Is Steve Jobs has been dead for 11 fucking years, but hack Hollywood writers can't think of anything else to base their asshole billionaires off of. Imagine... A famous asshole billionaire that does lots of goofy, make funnable stuff and also probably owns billion dollar corporations doing ethically dubious things that may also involve science fiction? I can't think of anyone. Is there no better target to put into this movie as the villain allegory? Man, thank God nobody runs SpaceX or Tesla. <laughs> but my point is. This is has an outdated villain. It feels like it should have come out in 2013 when Age of Extinction came out. Because this villain reminds me so much of the villain of Transformers Age um, of Extinction. Um, actually, Age of Extinction came out in 2014. Whatever. <laughs> That's fine. It's it's fine. One year. There you go. Because uh, they're both, like, really poor renderings of, like, bad Apple allegories. Okay, like, I will say, I think both this and the previous movie... Would be better if they went ham on the lizard powers and, like, if, like, Fallen Kingdom at the end, they have to, like, escape. 
And then Maisie sprouts pterodactyl wings out of her back, and she flies them through the fucking roof. And then in this movie, she's just Reptile from Marvel Comics and can just generate dinosaur body parts, whatever. Like, that would be amazing. (laughs) So I don't understand why they took the premise of the idea of dinosaurs are now out in the world, and they are commingling with people, and they're having conflicts. And then took that into a mangled metaphor for Monsanto that is also somehow a criticism of Apple, but not really, because this movie is corporate schlock and it's not actually going to go that far in criticizing other corporations. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Besides that, why giant locusts? Like, why not have it be like a dinosaur-related ecological disaster? Yeah, I don't don't get why so much of this movie is on the... Okay, because the locust subplot... Because first of all... It is never established why Dodgson feels the need to control the world's food supply because he already well, has it, power implicitly over. Implicitly, it's to make more money, basically. Okay, but okay, but the the implication is that Dodgson's villain motivation. Because here's the thing: Dodgson's villain motivation isn't about greed. It's not actually about he wants all of the money in the world. His villain motivation is that he believes genetic power can better humanity and he wants to harness that genetic power i don't know i think that's that's what he's saying to other people to get him to go along with what he says in my opinion dr lewis dodson doesn't have any internal coherent characterization really this is a character that releases a bunch of flaming locusts <laughs> and that is shocked when the locusts start a fire all right so even okay yes but even under that he, he logic, has no memory of the things okay, he did five minutes that ago logic okay brian by that logic it still wouldn't make sense why he feels the need to control the world's food supply all right let's get into the indiana jones bullshit it's uh, let me let me speak it's not a weird conspiracy theory so first off there's this weird running thing throughout the entire film that whenever Alan Grant is in the film, it's like Colin Trevorrow didn't remember what his character was like, so they have him play a bad facsimile of Indiana Jones. Like, when they introduce him, he's from behind, and he's wearing a fedora, just like the scene where we first see Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Then, there's another scene where they go into a tomb, a literal fucking cave and he has pliers and a little thing that's on fire making it look exactly like a torch in his and with his fedora on on and he's leading a girl and another guy down into this cave just like temple of doom okay (laughs) and they even mention falling rocks then 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 all right (laughs) it doesn't stop there because then they go to italy gee what other movie stars an action hero character or you know main character that wears a fedora and goes to Italy in search of something in an adventure-type scenario. Oh, it's Last Crusade! Owen, a smooth-talking, badass, weirdo kind of guy, just like Indiana, goes to Italy, just like in Last Crusade. But anyway, after that, after that, there's a scene in the cave where his hat falls off and something is coming towards him, and he has to grab the hat just like Indiana Jones does. So there's this whole weird-running thing. With Indiana Jones being Alan Grant. And I don't know why it's in the film. There's all these visual allusions to Indiana Jones. Like they're trying to reference Indiana Jones. So they put in all this bullshit where it's like Alan Grant is Indiana Jones. And I don't know why. But then I remember Colin Trevorrow worked, was going to work with Lucasfilm in episode 9. So I wonder, was he involved in some sort of Indiana Jones 5 script treatment? Or like get turned down for the job? And now he's mad and burnt out on dinosaurs 
because he doesn't know what else to do with this franchise anymore because there's basically no reason to make any of these anymore because the first one was amazing and you don't need to do anything else with the concept because the first film wasn't very good in the sense of world building that it actually creates a world that you can make reasonable sequels off of and doesn't bring back any of the characters in a way that would actually make sense with the narrative. Besides that, I think that it's because Colin Trevorrow just really wanted to make Indiana Jones 5 and couldn't, so he's like, fuck it, I can't think of anything, let's just put in a bunch of scenes from Indiana Jones. That's my Indiana Jones tangent. Now. Okay, okay, even, alright, I will, let's take it at face value. Let's, I will say for the sake of argument, that all of the Indiana Jones scenes that may or may not have been in the movie were in the movie. We will, let's say for the sake of argument, that all of those scenes were in the movie. They are, but okay. Debatable. But let's say for the sake of argument, they are. I don't see how that's a problem. I'm like, I like Jurassic Park. I like Indiana It's a problem Jones. because of like, intentionality. When I watch a movie, you you understand... When you watch a movie, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sounding condescending, but like when, when you watch a movie, everything <laughs> in the film was put there specifically. Okay, I so like... So the best movies have things put there specifically for reasons that are consistent with other reasons why other things are put in the film. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to claim this movie's a fucking masterpiece, but I don't see why it's such a big deal. Like, it's just, Because okay, it's something fine. that's inexplicably there and I can't explain it. And it bothers me. When I watch a movie, I think about all the scenes, and I think about the things in the scenes, and how it's shot, and why they wrote this that way, and why they did this with that character, yada yada yada, and I think about it as a collective whole, okay? So, I think the best movies have a very unified, organic whole, where things are self-supporting. One thing reinforces something else, which reinforces something else, which reinforces the larger theme, okay? That's what I think a good movie is. And this movie has a random bunch of scenes where one character is like Indiana Jones, and it's never mentioned, and doesn't relate to anything else in the movie. So, I am left with this inexplicable thing, left in this tangled ball of nonsense they tried to call a movie, that's even outside of the tangle. And I'm left looking at it, spiraling, and I'm like, why is it there? Why? Okay, that's why I'm I guess putting this much into of... it relates to a fundamental because when i watch a movie when i go to the theater to watch a movie i'm like i try to push all my expectations and all you know previous you know things i had heard out of my mind and just be like i'm gonna absorb the movie at face value i'm gonna look at what the movie is giving me and i'm going to absorb that information that the movie is giving me and i'm going to form an opinion from there by the way can we talk about barry simbeni's token representation of lgbt people where like she has like one off-handed line about how she likes redheads yeah kayla um yeah K K kayla is uh i'm sorry um, not barry simbet yeah, and kayla yeah, watts my bad yeah kayla who has like one line about liking redheads and then she has a vaguely intimate conversation with a redheaded woman at the end of the movie <laughs> Again, this is, like, the horrible LGBT representation where they don't actually say it out loud. They don't have her, like, do gay stuff or have any any gay themes in the film. They just have her imply that she's gay. Yeah, like, say what you will about Disney's queer rep. They they say the words. <laughs> like... Mm -hmm. Oh my god, they were roommates. You know what Kayla Watts reminds me of? That one really boring, one really boring NPC in, like... 
a role-playing game that's like, I'm the badass cargo girl, and I'm a strong, independent woman written by men who don't understand that women are complex people. And I'm gonna oh, so you're saying the un- uh, so you're sarcastic. saying she reminds you of the Uncharted movies version of Nathan Drake's love interest, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> yes, I've never saw that movie, but absolutely, whatever you say, yes. Kayla Watts, I mean, again, her actress, I'm sure she's doing... Uh, like, I, I like Dewanda Wise, and I think she does a good job in the movie, but I will say the queer rep is kind of... Eh. <laughs> yeah. I, again, this is another case where I say no representation is better than this representation, because this representation just feels condescending. And again, this goes into the idea of intentionality, like, you know, some people would say, well, I mean, some people are just LGBT, and it's not a big part of their character. But yes, but from an out-of-uterus perspective, this LGBT character, this character was made LGBT, and then not really expounded upon in any meaningful way. So if we talk about this as one of the threads in the mangled knot that is this movie, it's another dangling thread that doesn't really go anywhere. Um, (laughs) So Chaos Theorist, uh, Ian Malcolm, let's talk about something I like about the movie. Okay. There is something I like about the movie. I like what they do with Ian Malcolm. I like him being a corporate spy. I think it's fun to see Dr. Ian Malcolm be in a new situation where you think at first maybe he sold out. And I was like, oh, shit, is Ian Malcolm sold out? But then it's like, no, he's secretly undercover. I thought that was fun. Ian Malcolm's the only one that has any funny lines at all. Um, I I, I really got to say. Okay, okay, okay. I actually, all right, before, before you move on to that, you know, I feel like Ian Malcolm does have the most good jokes. But I actually did really like the scene where, you know, because, okay, one of the things I, I do genuinely really like about this movie is the character interactions between the Jurassic Park cast and the Jurassic World cast. I think they all bounce off each other actually very well. And I like the moment where the T-Rex shows up and both Alan Grant and uh, Owen say don't move at the same time. And then they just sort of look at each other. <laughs> like, I thought that was yes. fun. Uh, and, and also the line where yeah. uh, Owen's like, I read your book. Well, a uh, uh, book on tape. <laughs> Have you ever realized that, like, all of these people in these last couple of movies just forgot that the, the T-Rex can't see you if you stand still? <laughs> well, they remember this Like, time. they all just forgot that. Um, but yeah, I like Dr. Ian Malcolm in this. I gotta say, I was really disappointed by the storyline they gave to Sattler and Alan Grant. Not necessarily because they're just looking at locusts and that's boring, but because Sattler and Grant, like, okay... I had a whole spiel in an earlier episode about how the Jurassic Park films all kind of revolve around this idea of the nuclear family reuniting. And this is actually uh, an, uh, another one of this, you know, it's a, hey, these two people that were divorced, now they're going to get back together. You know, that's a family reuniting type thing. And that is a perfect storyline to do for your legacy sequel. It's absolutely something that I think could obviously work. The problem is, is that they more just sort of tell you they're falling back in love instead of showing it. There's a lot of show, don't tell in this movie. Like, I mean, there's a lot of tell, don't show. Is what I <laughs> like, Grant and Sattler just, like, start talking, and then, like, then they do things, and then by the end they're like, hey, hey. Hey, let's get back together. Yeah. Let's get back together. <laughs> I mean, like, I like that they had a happy end. I mean, like, that's not okay. wrong. But I like that they had a happy ending, and also, the fact that they got divorced in Jurassic Park 3 makes just as little sense, so... But here's the thing, we never actually find out what was the rift between the two of them. Like, two divorced people meeting after 20 years, there should, should probably be some old things that come up, and they have to, like, go through that in order to reconnect with one another as people. You know, that's how, like, 
a good writer would write it. But instead, this, they're just like, hey, you're within five feet of me for the last, like, day. Let's get married. And I'm like, okay, on what basis did this marriage fall apart? Like, how did this happen? Well, I mean, I don't... Because I don't if know. all it took was being, like, five feet apart from each other, was it, like, Grant focusing on his research too much? Which was kind of what was implied in Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, I feel but like But they it's never actually that. talk about it. I think the Sattler-Allen-Grant romance reunion was really half-assed. They should have gone either, like, really, really schmaltzy and, like, really romantic with it in a fun way, or they should have went, like, I don't know not done it and had them actually still like hate each other <laughs> that would be well, funny I, I feel i feel like the issue is that too much of the time of their storyline is spent on the fucking locust yeah you could have just again I, I i i like this movie more than brian and i i feel i honestly feel a little dirty being in the position of defending this of defending this movie because even though i like this movie um, it's taking credit away, it's taking money away from Lightyear, a vastly superior <laughs> movie that you should all be going to see instead. But because yes. of the, the nature of this podcast, I have to be on Dominion's side here. Um, yeah. so the, the point I was trying to say, but to, to, to give what my criticism was in this instance, is that I feel like the movie would have been better and also shorter, because this is the longest of any of the Jurassic mo- movies, and at times it you feel that length. I feel like it's yeah. too, it's too long, and I feel like an easy way you could have cut the length down is you just cut out the locust shit because Dodgson also wanting to control the world's food supply on top of having the power of genetics and all the control of all the dinosaurs is just an unnecessary extra step, and you could have just consolidated and be like. And, and did the human-dinosaur hybrid plot and have that be a secret experiment. Yeah, yeah, do something like that and have and have Alan and Ellie be corporate spies alongside Ian Malcolm. Like, just consolidate Also, the whole that. idea of like, Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler being corporate spies, they don't do anything, like, really fun with it. They just sort of sneak around. Yeah, they do some sneaking. They, they put on some, yeah. some bio suits. Uh, I have another problem with Dr. Alan Grant, which is that he basically shows up in the exact same occupation and position he was in 20 years ago, which is like, I'm sorry, but really? Well, I mean, Alan Grant is a simple... He's a simple man. He's a simple man. He likes digging his. He likes digging through his bones. <laughs> At least Ellie Sattler is doing something slightly different. Yeah, well, um, Ellie Sattler's a complex woman. <laughs> so, in my opinion, the way you cut down on the bullshit of this movie is you take out the entire stupid Italy kidnapping subplot. Well, I like the. I like the. I, I actually I like the Italy stuff. I hate it's... that. I hate that. There's 20 minutes of this movie with basically no dinosaurs and just like really generic thriller action you have like dinosaurs in car chases and you have like the the underground dinosaur fighting ring like that's fun like i like yeah but the dinosaurs mean absolutely nothing to those scenes besides just being something that chases like owen on the back of a motorcycle it's not actually important to the plot because you could have just had guys no you could have just had guys from biosyn kidnap Maisie directly and then they follow biosyn you don't need this Italy subplot. But I like those. I, th- I thought that. But I la- But those. But those had good action scenes. I like the action scenes in the in this movie. And I like- Chris, those were the scenes in the movie theater where the children were falling asleep. Well, that's because the. That's because clearly the parents hated those kids because the kids they should have taken the kids to Lightyear, the better movie. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, um, I agree. Well, I don't agree with that. That they hate their children, obviously. The, the first film didn't have a villain. Well, I mean. It's sort. I mean, Nedry is kind of a minor antagonist, and Dodgson, the because Dodgson is also in that movie. Um, 
in the first movie. He's played by a different actor here because the actor for Dodgen in the original Jurassic Park turned out to be a sex offender. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lost World has the evil military guys. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park 3 doesn't really have a villain. And then Jurassic World sort of has Vincent D'Onofrio. The, the point of Jurassic Park, the person that should be in the villain role, John Hammond, is actually a very nice idealistic person and that's what makes the movie feel so wholesome is it's not about trying to take down some bad guy it's about respecting nature and when somebody fucks up it's like oh you know it's just a guy you know that just loves dinosaurs because the point of the movie is to love dinosaurs yeah when you when you have people start exploiting the dinosaurs and start like putting them in cages and stuff I feel like it rips the fun out of the whole having dinosaurs thing. Because the only other fun thing they do with the dinosaurs is have them kill each other. And I'm like, this seems like a really bizarre, bad take on dinosaurs. Like, kind of mean-spirited, actually. Hmm. It feels cynical and mean-spirited and, like, they don't actually give a shit about caring about nature or dinosaurs. They just want to make money off this franchise. And thank God... This is probably going to be the last one. Please don't make any more. By God, I gave this a 2 out of 10. I think this movie is terrible. It's the worst movie Colin Trevorrow ever made. I don't like it. Okay, this is not as bad as Book of Henry. I'm sorry. You're, Book of Henry at least are, felt earnest. You are, you are in... Book of Henry was earnest. You are incorrect. God damn it, Janet. Book of Henry was earnest. <laughs> You are incorrect. In your- I never for one second didn't believe that Book of Henry wasn't in on believing its own bullshit. There was an energy to Book of Henry. And I think there's an energy to Jurassic World There's Dominion. a creative verb there, to Book of Henry. There's a Jurassic... Okay, well, I think there's a creative energy to Jurassic World Dominion. So there. All right, well, um, to put it, put it plainly, um, I was not a fan. Uh, but it's okay if you liked it you know uh, you at home uh, please tell us what you think uh and if you like this movie i'm glad for you and i hope you have a great day so uh, now we take it over to chris chris what did you think of jurassic world dominion i don't get the hate train for this movie either from you or from the general public i'm like what the fuck were but you ex- did 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 you hear what i said though yeah i heard what i heard hour? what you said but i'm like what the fuck were you guys expecting like a good or decent movie. Actually, no, that's not even true. I was expecting a below-average film, and this went underneath my expectations. <laughs> I just, I, I, I just, I, I don't get it. Um, I, I don't get the hate for this. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's a masterpiece. I'm not gonna say it doesn't have problems, because it does. As I have brought up, there are questions that the movie never really answers, and there are extraneous things that you could cut out from the movie and not lose anything and absolutely bizarre what the fuck why did you put this in the movie things like Maisie being a lizard dna hybrid of her own mother i mean that is certainly interesting <laughs> i literally had to explain this to my coworkers, like and they looked at me like i was insane because they're like <laughs> What are you even talking about? I was like, the clone! The clone from the second movie! They're like, I don't remember there being a clone in the second movie. I'm like, there is one! She's in the ending, and they say she's a clone! And they're like, why would they put that in the movie? And I'm like, I don't know! <laughs> and then I start uh, crying on the floor and start sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, but there are a lot of things 
I like about this movie and that I like the idea of how it does, if only briefly, explore the idea of dinosaurs and humans uh, coexisting. What does that look like? How does that affect the I think it's interesting to see, like, how, what does that look like? How does it affect the world? How does it affect, you know, day-to-day goings-on? Like, I think it is interesting that it's, like, you know, the the initial chaos is kind of brushed aside, and then we see, you know, what the world is like, you know, now that they've kind of gotten used to, they've, they've, yeah, they they've, really don't, they really don't capitalize on the whole dinosaurs among us thing. I will say they could have capitalized on that further. Of course, that is where we should briefly talk about. So there are two live action short films they released. Which are both way better than this movie. Which are both way better. Um, and easily the best things this franchise has done since the first movie. There was Battle at Big Rock in 2019, which focuses on a family like camping in the woods and then they get attacked by dinosaurs. And which is great. It's got like a ton of like really great emotional beats and cool dinosaur action all packed within. It's got tons of suspense. It's almost like having more dinosaurs doesn't necessarily make it better. Yeah, it's 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 intimate and intense, and it's all it's it's all done by Colin Trevorrow himself, all done within ten minutes, and it's amazing. Um, I thought it was very good. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I believe you gave it a 10. I gave it a 10. And then there was also the Jurassic World Dominion prologue, which was initially released in front of IMAX screenings of F9 last Oh my god, it's like this beautiful five minute, like, it's like this beautiful five minute, like, almost David Attenborough documentary-esque, like, look at the evolution of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs in the past is, like, living their lives, and the Giganotosaurus and the T-Rex have a confrontation, and there's the, the, they have the mosquito, and then it cuts to, like, the present day, and, like, the T-Rex attacks a drive-in, and it's, it's, it's fucking incredible. And, and that's sort of, like, a reference to the blob, and I thought this opening scene was really fun and really awesome, and I thought that it should have been in the film. Uh, also, because uh, yeah. opening with the uh, with the, a scene that ends on the uh, the mosquito is actually a great way to bring the whole series full circle. Yeah. But apparently, Colin Trevorrow didn't think Colin so, and he Trevorrow. took out the best scene in his own movie. Yeah, yeah, and and also it helps. Also, that scene helps with the you know make the T Rex versus Giganotosaurus thing work better in the context of the movie because you know it's a bookend because you know it begins and ends with a confrontation between the T Rex and the Giganotosaurus. Um, and I yes. do like those those scenes in general. I think the fight scenes are cool, and I like the Giganotosaurus itself. Although I will say, I do not understand the bizarre thing where Colin Trevorrow was like, the Giganotosaurus is like the Joker. Um, it, it stops. I get like it, the, because like Colin Trevorrow has made written three of these movies now and has so fundamentally fallen out of any ideas of what to do with dinosaurs that he can't think of anything new to say about them, so he just started making stuff up. But then he but then he says, I went to the visual designers and made them and had them make the Giganotosaurus look like it had face paint on it like the Joker. And you can sort of kind of see that in the movie. But also what is I think that's trolling. What is the relevancy? (laughs) And also this is just proof that DC needs to bench the Joker. The madness needs to stop. Um Um, so there's that. I do like, and I like all the dinosaur action. I like seeing the dinosaurs in modern settings. Like, I do, I like the Italy set pieces. I like, like, the rafters and the car chase and running on buildings. I like the I do like that they used more, uh, animatronic dinosaurs yes, in this I one. I like that as well. Um, I, you know, there's yeah. the underground dinosaur fighting ring. There's, like, 
you know, the, the fishing boat with the Mosasaur. Like, I like how they use the dinosaurs in, and how they interact with the real world. I think that's, I think that's really cool. Of course, you know, by the end, it basically, you know, when they get to the Biosyn facility and then it's kind of just another Jurassic Park movie. What do you think but, of the Sattler-Alan Grant romance? I mean, I like that they got a happy ending. I think that's, I think that's nice. I like that they finally got a happy what ending. What do you think of how they got and, there? I mean, it's a little rushed, but I don't care that much. I just, I like seeing Laura Dern and Sam Neill back. I think I mean, good. I agree. Laura Dern is a gift to this earth. Yeah. Laura Dern is one of the all-time great actresses. She could play anything. So I, I just like seeing them both back, and I think they're both very good. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I like that uh, quite a bit. I could have done without the fucking locusts. Um, could you have done without the mazy DNA lizard genetic clone of her mother? Uh, what I, I, honestly, I would have been fine with that if they had gone with my with my personal pitch of just turn Maisy into a reptile of the, the, the dinosaur the, into a dinosaur themed superhero and just you know go full ham with it. As it stands, it just sort of there. I was just open mouthed agape and so befuddled at all of this movie. Honestly, I was just in shock at what I was honestly, seeing. Honestly, when it was that so scene bad. happened, I was just sort of like. Huh. Okay. Fine. Whatever. This is a dumb movie. I don't care. <laughs> like. But like, okay. But this is also like I don't know. This feels weird. It feels like because this is for kids, right? It's a also. PG thirteen. Yeah, but like, like, most of the people in my theater had kids, and I'm like, they're not going to understand the implications, ethical or otherwise, <laughs> of someone self copulating a clone of themselves. <laughs> and I'm like, why is this in the movie? It adds basically nothing. You could have just made Maisie have lizard DNA also, and then have that save them. Like, you didn't need them to have her be, like, a genetic identical self-copulated Jesus clone. It's a very, it is a very bizarre retcon. I've seen comparisons to Rise of Skywalker versus uh, Last Jedi in relation to this and Fallen Kingdom. Um, yeah, what I can see it. It's not inaccurate <laughs> um uh all right so other things um i i do like kayla even if the queer rep is kind of half-assed i think she is a fun I, I feel character. like i've seen characters like kayla in a million other things I mean, honestly i mean yeah you're not wrong but i'm just like hey i like that kind of character and she's in Fair. this movie so i i like that um mm -hmm. and you know I like that bit where Owen briefly meets up with the guy who was his partner in the first Jurassic World. It's like, oh, hey, it's that guy. That's that's fun. That's a reference. That's fun. Henry Wu is here again. <laughs> um, and this time he's a he's good guy. He's a good guy, guy again, finally. And he kills the locust because we needed the locust to be in the movie. <laughs> what did you think about the fact that Maisie basically makes no independent decisions in this entire movie? I didn't really care. <laughs> What did you think about how Maisie's storyline in the beginning was basically just ripped off of Stranger Things? I mean, I like Stranger Things. That's fine. You see, I'm, I'm trying desperately to think of anything original, and the only thing I can think of is the self-copulation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And as I mentioned, I really like seeing the two casts like come together. I think that's a lot of fun. I think they all bounce off each other really well. I like how like Claire and Ellie have a little team up. I like how Ian Malcolm is like on the intercom during that part. I think that's fun. I wish more of the movie was was those scenes. Like honestly. I am glad it, to a certain extent that the Jurassic World sequels didn't just rebuild Jurassic World and they tried to do something different. But by God, what they were trying to do, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've been led astray into a forest with no guy. <laughs> and so, and you know, as I mentioned, I like seeing the T-Rex fighting the Giganotosaurus. That was some, that's a really, I feel like that is what, the T-Rex versus Giganotosaurus stuff in this movie is what the T-Rex versus Spinosaurus stuff in Jurassic Park 3 should have been. Quite I frankly. honestly don't don't get why you get so hyped. I feel like all of the scenes where the dinosaurs fight each other are exactly the same. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> One of them roars at the other. The other roars back. They bite a neck. They bite a neck. And then one of them dies. That's every dinosaur fight in the Jurassic World films. And it's not like... They're not like kaiju. They don't have special powers that would make it interesting. So it just feels really repetitive. Like, oh, we're doing this again. Maybe maybe you need to get in touch with your inner child, Brian. <laughs> My inner child wants to collect bionicles and cry. Well, maybe your inner child should have had a dinosaur face, Brian. <laughs> mm. Please continue. Um. All right. Yeah. So I I like though I like those parts. Um. There's a really cool shot where like Claire is like in the water and you have her head above the water and then the, the dinosaur's head is in the water. That's a cool. That's that's cool. Um, there's some good, there's some good looking shots. That's a nice shot. Yeah. yeah. I think there's some good looking camera work. Um, the only other like really yeah. impressive camera work I thought was when, um, Claire gets ejected out of, uh, her ship and they have the camera tripod mounted on her. I thought that was a, a really good way to, uh, sort of get the audience really invested in her perspective i thought that was very good and disorienting and i also like all of the imagery at the end of the dinosaurs mingling with the you know the regular animals and you see like the triceratops with the african sunset and and you know the stuff like that i thought that looked really cool there's uh you know again i like all the action scenes but i guess overall i would say my overall thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion are please go see the movie Lightyear. Please, for the love of God, it is playing in the same theater. I think Jurassic World Dominion is a movie that you will probably enjoy when you w watch it on streaming later because you all spent your money to go see the movie Lightyear in theaters for all of the reasons I just told you and that Brian did not edit out or else I will strangle them. <laughs> I thought the movie was fine. <laughs> It was dumb fun. I liked okay. the action. I liked the character interaction, but it was a little too long and I could have done without the fucking locust. That is my thought. And I also, I liked it more than Fallen Kingdom because I feel like more things happened in this compared to Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> and it's also, both of these movies are still better than Jurassic Park 3 and The Lost World. So our overall thoughts on the Jurassic franchise, we're, we're done here now, right? We're not going to make any more Please of these. Don't make any more. Like, <laughs> I can't survive more Jurassic films. <laughs> I say this to someone who liked the last two movies. We're done here now, right? Because, like, the story is done. There's nowhere left there to go. There was a story? Like, you know, the, 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 the island blew up. 
The dinosaurs just live among yeah, us Yeah, this now. movie really tied up all of the themes of the previous Jurassic World movie. Well, I mean, yeah, it ends with the message of, of coexistence. Like, the story is over. There's nowhere left. We never left. found out if the two kids from Jurassic World 1 parents ever got back <laughs> Well, together. yeah, but we also never found out what happened to Tim and Lex. Why did these movies <laughs> never bring back Tim and Lex? Because they hate Tim and Lex. Why? I like Tim and Lex. Yeah, no, go see the movie The Black Phone. It's uh, the new horror film by Scott Derrickson. I've heard it's gotten great uh, rave reviews. Go see. Or you go see uh, the one uh, Chris is recommending, Lightyear. Yeah, please go see Lightyear. Don't see this movie. Go, go. I mean, unless you... Unless you want to see it because of how bizarre and terrible it is, in my opinion. I mean, you can... Then, yeah, go see it. I mean, it. to be honest, this is... A, I mean, if, if it's something you can go see at a matinee, or like... Or if you're fine with waiting for it to be on streaming, I think it is worth it. But um, there's better films to take your kids to. But there's to. better films to... Yeah, there's definitely... Take your kids to there's see There's better Lightyear. bad movies to watch. Like, more entertainingly bad movies to watch. This is just really frustrating... I mean, do we have do we have any overall closing thoughts about this franchise other than oh, yeah, it should have stopped at one. <laughs> You're not there wrong. There was one great one, and the rest like I like two, and three is bad. Four is mediocre. Five is oh god, so boring, and six is agonizing. So yeah, stop at one. The the, the first film was too silly. And it's like world building logic to have a whole franchise built about it. And if you are going to do that, you're not going to do it about the park. Why don't you do it about like, I don't know, slice of life dinosaur stuff. Like I pitched, I pitched a movie idea to Chris earlier that I think Chris liked. My idea was there's um, a Japanese American uh, punk rock girl and uh, she is working for a zoo because she's a dinosaur enthusiast and her, her rock band is dinosaur themed. But then the dinosaur needs a medical treatment that they can't get because it's too expensive. But they have it in across the country in in in, uh, in Canada. So she goes on a cross country tour while being chased by the cops, like in the Blues Brothers, to raise enough money in order to pay the person to save her dinosaur that she also has with her. So Blues Brothers with a dinosaur meets Thelma and Louise with a little bit of Scott Pilgrim. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I, th- I feel like if we are going to, if, if the current statement from the, the, the creatives in charge here is that while this movie, Jurassic World Dominion, is the end of the Jurassic World trilogy, it is not necessarily the end of the franchise. and They are like brainstorming of maybe of we'll do something in the future. Of course it's not the end. Because, because nothing popular gonna, will ever die. Um, it's They're going to keep putting them out and then Chris is going to keep making me watch them. And I will go slowly insane. I feel like and eventually if we, if, die. If they are going to make more, I feel like something like that slice of life idea you mentioned, especially you know in yes. the wake of something like Battle of Big Rock, would be a better approach. I mean, really, the only other things I can think of that this franchise hasn't done yet are just straight up the human dinosaur hybrids they've been kind of threatening since the first plans for Jurassic Park four, or Flying T Rexes. Um, I have an idea for another movie. All right, what's don't. It? Don't. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> just just stop. Help. What are we doing next week? Anyways, Chris? next week, now that we are finally done with this extended project, that I'd like to remind everyone at home was Brian's idea. Um, no, wait, was it? Yes. I had no. Are you pl- sure? Yes. 
Brian, Brian, because I had no plans on covering any of the Jurassic movies for this. But when we did our most anticipated movies of 2022 episode, and you can go back and listen to that episode for proof, you said, I've never seen any of the Jurassic movies besides the first one and don't care, so we should do a retrospective on all of them before the new one comes out because that would be funny. You said that. This was your idea. Well, guys, was it funny? <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself, Brian. <laughs> Fair. Um, but anyways, next week... Go watch Tammy and the T-Rex, the superior dinosaur movie. Or, as I said, you could go to the theater to watch the movie light. <laughs> anyways, what are we doing next week, Anyways, Chris? Next week, uh, we are finally doing uh, some MCU catch-up. And to, to talk about everyone's favorite Avenger, the 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 Archer Avenger. The, the, is that a name? It's Hawkeye. We're talking about Hawkeye. The Disney Plus Hawkeye. series Hawkeye. But he's um, not even Hawk-themed. Well, who cares? <laughs> False advertising. I want my Hawk hunk. Hawk hunk. Well, I mean, uh, how attracted are you to... I want my hunky to, Hawk. How attracted are you to Jeremy Renner? Is that even a question? <laughs> I mean, yes. Okay. I don't think I could explain it in words. Do you have any attraction to Jeremy Renner? Look, I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations against me. All that can be said is we're definitely done talking about dinosaurs. Did you download the Jeremy Renner app? <laughs> Anyways, uh, and then you can find me on Anyways, Twitter this at Brian Decker. And you can find uh, uh, this has been Hipster and the Nerd, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of your major podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice five star review. Uh, subscribe, vote in the polls, answer the Q and A's. Um, you know, spread the word on social media. Uh, Share it with all of your friends after you go see the movie Lightyear. Hashtag Hipster and the Nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. I am uh, Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And you can also find me on my WordPress page, MegaNerd's Musings, uh, home of geeky ramblings and self-indulgent fanfiction. And, uh, Brian, where can they find you? You can find me on Letterboxd at bbreck2, or you can find me on Twitter at Brian Brecker, or you can find me on any social media platform if you look hard enough, because I'm on all of them, and I'm following you specifically. Oh my god. Or you can, uh, find me finding Colin Trevorrow and asking why the fuck he put any of this in his movie. And then going to see the movie Lightyear as a personal favor to me, specifically. (laughs) In my defense, you saw this movie once before... And you could have warned me. <laughs> anyways, find us anyways, next week. Thank you, thank you, everybody. Uh, th- this once again, this has been Hipster and the Nerd. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Seize the means of Applebee's. Of Applebee's. Please go Fuck see Applebee's. the movie Lightyear, and we will see you next, next time. time.